Welcome to Casey Corner, episode 54. We're back this week. We took a week off. Back in the saddle, Brooks. It feels so good to be back. You know, and I think it was nice that we took a week off. And I know it was really our schedules, but just in light of what was happening in the country, if Texas is shut down, Casey Corner should be exactly. shut down. Exactly. All, fa- all of our fans in Texas. We exactly. Had to shut down a little bit. We just we wanted to show empathy. Exactly. We wanted to say we're with you. Uh, <laughs> But um, realistically, our schedules last week didn't work for so for our Casey Corner fans. Sorry to miss you last week, but we are back in the saddle. Yeah, sorry about that, Allison. I know you're looking for him in the podcast feed. You didn't exactly, know where it was. Allison, Grace, uh, you know, and, and all of our fans. I think we maybe mentioned them. Exactly, exactly. And uh, the sermons are now in the podcast feed too. We're back to putting those up. So Which is great. Look out for those. Yes, indeed. Jump right in. But we can we can hop right into this past Sunday. You were kind of bouncing around all over place in the Bible. <laughs> well, you know, what I meant to say, we, we talk about uh, Jesus being the light of the world. Again, we're in a sermon series of Jesus in his own words, the I am. And, you know, Brooks, when I outlined this uh, series, the one that I was probably least excited about preaching right away was I'm the light of the world. I'm like, you know, hey, what am I kind of going to go? What direction? Um, but it really became clear that finding the context of that sermon was so important and doing it in a way that made sense and helped people understand their bible because when jesus says the words i am the light of the world he is clearly in the temple right in that text in eight it'll say that he's in the temple and in chapter seven he was in the temple so there's this interruption of where he was the storyline narrative was interrupted by this incredible story of this woman who was caught in adultery and jesus's incredible words he who hasn't sinned, why don't you go ahead and throw the first stone? And so, love that story. It's an amazing story, but it's not in the right place. And if you look at your Bibles clearly or carefully, you'll see that, hey, the most the oldest manuscripts don't have it here. They don't have this story here. So, you know, finding the context, kind of like we talked on the sermon of Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death. I mean, you put that in the context of, where he was and the time he was, it really is dripping with meaning. And you put Jesus in the temple during the feast of, of booths or tabernacles um, and, and or shelters, and you put him there where they had these huge, like these lamps that were oil filled, like 75 feet high, that would be lighting not only the temple, but the entire city. I and mean, when they turned those on, they go, whoa. And all of the meanings of, of that, what that, light would mean to them all of the memories of not just their memory but their memory of their people and, and what it was the pillar of fire that led us uh, in the wilderness and you know and so all of those things in, in the midst of that context jesus says hey by the way i am the light of the world you know and uh and anybody who walks and follows me will not walk in darkness but have everlasting life and and uh it's just just amazing context and uh, I love the Bible story, and it's just awesome trying to put that in context of where it was because the story goes from really cool to, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting learning about the context of the different stories in the Bible. You know, in their, our KC groups going through the prodigal God right now, knowing mm-hmm. what the Pharisees were like during that time, and that's mm-hmm. why he's bringing up the elder brother so much and really making the story about him as well Exactly. Uh, that parable. And, you know, it's easy to miss the context, especially because oftentimes the context seems so far away. I mean, it's uh, literally thousands of years, and culturally it's quite different than ours. But it is a living word. God's word is living. It's active. Um, 
God's Holy Spirit's going to help illuminate that. And, and that's why it's good to have uh, folks who dig deep, you know. Um, but even even the information that I gave, you know, it's I do it with a little bit of fear because, hey, I'm studying that stuff. You know, I wasn't there in the temple and I never saw those huge lamps. And, you know, I had a I had to learn as well. And so it's it's the privilege of digging for gold all week and then trying to present that to the congregation saying, hey, look at this setting. It's kind of like. You find a great diamond and you want to have it in, in the right setting that like with a ring or a crown that makes it really pop. I don't know about that yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take my word for it, Brooksy, but it's, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, and so that was, that was it. And again, there's so much, there's so much there. Um, and I didn't even tie into the fact that Jesus will now say to us that we are the light of the world. Um, and I, I did mention the fact that I think I stole it from Louis Giglio of like, we're like the moon, we're just a bunch of dust that gets in the right alignment with the sun and not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N to, to reflect his beauty and glory. But in Christ Jesus, we now are the place where um, God's light shines and we now are the light of the world. And what, what a great calling for us. Yeah. And I know in my Bible, I have all sorts of, it's a study Bible, so commentary footnotes and everything that you're talking about kind of helping provide more details and context of what you're reading which is great to do and again as i mentioned sunday just be careful because that's not the inspired word of god that's somebody's opinion and it's probably a very studied good person's opinion but just like anything there are theological perspectives that are going to come out i have a theological you have a theological perspective we all none of us are neutral you know none of us read God's word with complete neutrality. We bring in our tradition, our understanding, our education. It's all filtered through it. God's amazing. His word isn't lost. It's, 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 that's beautiful. But when you read those commentary notes, um, it'll probably be good to know, hey, uh, maybe ask your pastor or ask me, you know, hey, what, what, how about this book? You know, what, what do you think of this translation of the Bible? Or I should say, you know, this study Bible. Because uh, I know for sure some are better than others. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what do we have to look forward to continuing the I Am series? You know, I love the picture of John 10. It's I am the good shepherd. Uh, you love that. You know, you think of Jesus as the as the shepherd. You know, there's some great paintings of uh, a picture of a Jesus figure carrying the sheep on his shoulders. Which, by the way, Brooks... When I was in Bethlehem, uh, the last time I was in Bethlehem, uh, we, we got out of the car and someone had a little sheep um, on the street and, and they, they, they saw us get out of the car and it was like, you know, it's clearly like these folks are Americans. You know, it's like, it's like you know, hey, they don't belong here. And so let's, uh, let's see if we can, um, you know, get a little something from them. And so they brought this little lamb over and they placed it on my shoulders and uh, it was like the softest, warmest, little fuzzy little guy on my shoulders. And, it was, and everybody there, I was the pastor, like, oh, what a cool you know, picture. There's the shepherd with the sheep. And um, certainly love that. I love that imagery. And, of course, once they snapped the picture, you know, once they put it up there, uh, we snapped the picture. They want money for it. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah like, exactly. Know, it's like, it's uh, like Vegas when you're walking around all these people you know, <laughs> pictures. I'll take your word for it, Brooks. I'm a Christian. I've never been to Vegas. Elvis <laughs> lookalikes and all sorts of crap there. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, but anyway, um, so, um, you know, I love the picture of what Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And really what I hope to say is, again, context. You know, when you think of shepherd, you think of someone who watches a sheep, correct? 
but in the Old Testament, when God's Word talks about the shepherds, specifically in things like Ezekiel 34, where God is really down on the shepherds. He's like, woe to you shepherds. You are not feeding the sheep. You're taking care of yourself. And there's this amazing promise that God himself can come do it. Now, the shepherds aren't those who are out watching the sheep. Who do you think the shepherds are? They're the kings. They're, they're the leaders of the people. And so... Um, when, when Jesus, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he's not just saying, hey, I'm a dude out in the, in the uh, wilderness watching the flocks. He's saying, I'm the true Messiah. I'm the true king. I'm, I'm the promised one who was going to come. And so really what I hope to say, because there's such a the beautiful story that he's going to tell us that through him, he gives us life and life abundantly. He, he takes care of the sheep. The sheep, sheep on their own can't flourish. They need a shepherd. And so do we. And he's going to lay his life down for the sheep. So that's such a beautiful thing, picture. But I think we got to see the bigger context. What I hope to say is, hey, this, is, this isn't just some uh, dude out in the wilderness taking care of sheep. This is the promised Messiah, the one who's taking care of people taking care of God's people specifically mm -hmm. and how he does it. Yeah, and sheep is such a perfect animal to describe us to, just kind of wandering around, like minding their own business, maybe not the smartest creatures in the world. So dumb. And the things, again, I have to learn this. I don't, like, wasn't born with a knowledge of sheep. you got to dig a little bit. But apparently without a shepherd, they would never leave the area they're in. They wouldn't find the, the water or... Once they grazed over, uh, it ate everything up, they would kind of stay there until the shepherd led them to the next place to eat. And, you know, uh, this last Sunday, we anointed a, a, a member of King's Chapel with oil who's having a surgery coming up uh, tomorrow. And uh, we're going to, this Sunday, anoint a, a little boy that's been having some struggles uh, with oil. And it all comes from, we being the leaders of the church, all comes out of James 5 that tells us if anybody is sick, anybody has a special need, that call the elders of the church and let them pray in faith and anoint with oil. But what led to that was uh, one of uh, the, the members of uh, King's Chapel said, Hey, have you ever read that a shepherd anointed the sheep with oil and why? I'm like, no. And did a little research, and apparently, this is a cool thing. This is a little extra throw-in. But sheep, um, you know, sheep would get a lot of parasites, and they would get a lot of things that they could never, their, their noses, uh, their ears were very, very susceptible, and it would drive them so crazy that sometimes they would just, Okay, well, I hope, I hope we're back. So... Anyway, what I learned was that uh, a, a sheep is very susceptible to a lot of bugs, parasites, and different things. And unless the shepherd anoints their ears and their noses and their heads with oil, they, they could get some infection and some parasites to the point where they'll harm themselves trying to get them off. And uh, how cool it is to a shepherd to anoint them with oil. And then you realize, wow, that's what God has asked us to do in symbolic way as well uh, in faith. Uh, so anyway, cool stuff, Brooks. And that's what I that's what I hope to say is that Jesus is our good shepherd and we can follow him and, and he's the promised one. And uh, if we get the context of the story, it's really goes from good to great. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, now we're going to continue on with transforming grace. Chapter yeah. seven. We broke it up into two parts because it's a it's a bigger chapter. It's a bigger chapter. And I think it's just really important. Again, it, the whole thing is is like talks about how does. Uh, grace and the law go together. Um, and if God is a God of love um, and a God of grace, 
uh, what about the law? And I think the entire chapter was called the proof of love. And, and so as Christians, if we realize the fact that we are loved and accepted in Christ Jesus, and it doesn't, you know, our, our actions are not going to cause God to love us more. Our inactions or sin are not going to cause God to love us less. What's the motivation and why do we do it? And if Jesus came to fulfill the law, what does the law have to do with Christians? And so, and I think that that's been the argument for a while, Brooks. I mean, the, the reality is that some will say, well, there is no more law. Anti antinomianism is like, hey, do what you want. You know, we're saved by grace. There's no more law. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the God of love, of the God of the Bible, is the God who's given us the law. And he's given us the law to reveal his character. And so just because you're Christians or because of the gospel or the grace of God, the law of God isn't changing. The moral law of God isn't changing the motivation to keep it. I think that's where uh, Bridges does a nice job is our motivation to try to keep the law. Um, now it's compelled by love. Now it's the reality it's been fulfilled for us. But uh, how do we uh, show that we love God? He starts the chapter off of this. If you love me, you will obey me. And so, you know, because... Uh, we want to imitate our God and our God is holy. Uh, we want to reflect our God and, and we want to please our God. Again, not to earn favor. We can't because we're saved all by grace. Um, I liked what he said about the speed limit signs. He says, mm -hmm. you know, now it's it's like those white speed limit signs are, uh, are different. Uh, I think it was the white ones. They're kind of more like, hey, you're heading around a curve. Mm -hmm. So kind of slow down. It's not, it's not the posted speed limit, but hey, yeah. heads up. And that's where the the the, uh, the law is for us. It's not like we're going to get arrested for breaking it because mm -hmm. God's grace has covered all that, and we're not going to get rewarded for filling it fulfilling it because we never could. But God gives us this law. It's a really good thing, you know, mm -hmm. that you shouldn't steal. It's a really good thing you shouldn't commit adultery. It's a really good thing you shouldn't kill. It's a really good thing that you shouldn't cheat, lie, and 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 uh, uh, you know do those kind of things and. Um, why? Well, because those things will always create turmoil in our life and brokenness and darkness. And God wants us to live in the light, walk in the light. Um, and again, to obey him kind of, it's it, the motivation so much more being out of love. Mm -hmm. than anything Yeah. Else. It's the, it's the signs when you get off I-4 and it's a big, you know, loop U-turn type deal. It's like, this is for your own safety. So exactly. you don't ram into the walls. <laughs> exactly. You know, or, you're, or you know, if you go so fast, you're going to go flying off the walls. Exactly. And, and so, which, which is really good. And uh, and I do think that this is the tension. Um, we think you mentioned the prodigal God. Again, the Pharisees were trying to keep the law, the elder brother, to try to get God's stuff, right? They, they were to try to manipulate God in a sense. I mean, this was the way for them to earn life. Never can happen. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, um, and the, the other side is that what Paul will say, shall we continue to... Paul wasn't proposing this, but he asked in... In Romans 6, hey, should we keep sinning so grace abounds more? Absolutely not. You know, I mean, we should be living holy lives. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any KC updates before we go? Hey, the church is thriving in many ways in the midst of COVID. It looked great. The sanctuary is pretty darn full on mm -hmm. Sunday. Just loved it. Uh, we've, we've had some great streaming numbers still coming in. Uh, it just, it's just a blessed place to be. Um we have a, a board meeting this Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the month, which, uh, you know, we're just, we have a lot to rejoice in. And then, hey, uh, right around the corner, uh, we're, we're going to be in March. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. And so 
Uh, be looking for uh, all the King's men to crank up that first week in March. And um, for our women's ministries up and running, I love the fact that our KC groups are seemingly flourishing and um, a lot of good signs. So, yeah, yeah. So. The, the world was a weird place about a year ago. Uh, yeah, this week, and I know, like, sure. I think March tenth was the day where Rudy Gobert on the Jazz got Corona, and the yeah. world ended. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have no idea what you just said, but uh, I didn't realize. I don't know who Rudy, the guy on the Jazz, yeah. he was like touching all the mics, and yeah, he was, yeah. thought Corona was a joke and all this stuff. Oh yeah, no, right over no, your head. I'm so no. sorry, man. I'm, I'm not year anniversary. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I did know that there was a big epidemic, uh, pandemic, I should say, that that happened then. So I didn't know that Rudy was the cause of it so uh, <laughs> uh poor rudy poor, poor rudy. rudy man with a name like rudy you already strike one you know? yeah yeah that's so, a tough one that's you're battling uphill exactly if anybody here that's listening is rudy god bless you i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know how we got here but this is where we'll end that's awesome hey brooks it's good to be back man good to be back, back in the saddle <laughs>